Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome. A little bit different today. Um, I am going to talk about some accounts and they're from the Salford area in Lancashire. Um, and I have to say that I have quite an understanding of the witness because the witness is myself. Um, it was 1982 when it happened to me. Um, and it had quite a bad effect on my life, I'll be honest, for a very, very long time, for a couple of decades. Um, but we'll get to that in a minute. I'll, I'll talk about the sighting first. First of all, Salford is an urban town. And... It's where the Manchester Ship Canal basically comes to an end. And it's on the Pennine Fault. So the top, the bottom where the docks is, is, is a mile below where Beulah Park is, much further up the hill. Um, I lived on a place called Sutton Flats when I was a kid. So I lived in a like a high rise. Um, and we used to go and play in the park all the time. It was one of the only real green areas where there was to play. There was Chimley Pot Park down at the bottom and then there was Beulil at the top. And a little bit of history about Beulil, it was made when the spoils were dug for the Manchester Ship Canal. And there's lots of old mine tunnels underneath and that was covered with the spoils and the park was put on top. And this was all done in the 1800s, quite a long, long time ago. Um, there's an old mansion in the park and it's oh, it was owned by the original older, owners, which was the Summerfield Sisters. Um, and it's just over the road from what then was Beulah School. It's gone now, I'm afraid. Um, there used to be a lake in the park. That's not there anymore. Um, and it, by the time this had come to happen, in, in, like I say, in 1982, it was rather un- overgrown um, and a bit messy. And the house had been emptied for oh, for a long, 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 long time. It was all boarded up. And just next to the house, there was huge rhododendron bushes and uh, laurels and it was all intertwined and it was all overgrown and there was a little um, sensory garden that was done and it had the braille along the stone so that you could read what flowers were there and it it was all flowers and herbs and edibles that had quite um, a strong scent or a nice feel to them there was also, at the time, and it was still going, there was a huge orangery that had um, a butterfly house on one side and um, a tropical greenhouse on the other, and it was really warm, and it used to give off quite a lot of heat. And when we were skipping school, or we were playing at the weekends or on holiday or whatever, that's where we used to go, that's where we used to congregate. Um, and I met with a girl at school, and, and she was new. She was, um, I think she was, she was from Scotland, and she'd come down here because her dad was working down there. Um, and we skipped school, in all honesty, is the most honest way I can put it. It was, about, <laughs> it was about one o'clock, and it was afternoon lessons, and it was the year that you do your mocks, and we just didn't want to go in. It was nice, and it was sunny, and the sun was out, and it was a lovely day, and we didn't want to go, so we didn't go. A pair of us, we just didn't go. So we, we, as we say in Salford, we mooched off. 
to Beulah and we're there hiding and, you know, we're laughing and we're messing about and we're doing what girls do and just giggling and having a good time, really. And we're watching the clock because obviously when it gets to half three, we're going to have to head home and pretend we've been at school all afternoon. And I didn't notice a figure. I noticed the light changed. There was a movement out of the corner of my eye from the huge rhododendrons and what I could only describe at the time as a monster, or a man-ape, this is what my, was my name for me at the time, leant out of those bushes and looked at me. And I was terrified, I'll be honest, and I'm still ashamed of that fact to this day. And I'm filling up talking about it now, but it's something that needs to be said. I felt ashamed of my behaviour that day. I screamed and I ran as if he was going to do something to me, as if he was going to get me. And I think it was some kind of primal fear, I'll be honest, because I ran home, and I ran home a long way. And to get home, I had to cross another park, and I had to cross a really dense, closed-in wooded area called Liddell, which terrified me. I mean, at 15, I was a normal girl. I was into pop groups and, you know, and, and, and boys. I, I wasn't taking drugs or drinking or anything like that. I wasn't that kind of kid. I was just having a laugh with my mate and I saw the most extraordinary thing and I can still see his face today as clear as day and his eyes were an amberish colour, his teeth were like ours but much squarer, he had hair everywhere, there wasn't fur, it was hair and you could see skin through it but it was quite thick and it looked like a really really dark brown colour but because the sun was shining because it was the afternoon, it was shining through his hair, if you understand, and that looked auburn in colour. And as a child, when I ran, I was terrified, and I pushed my friend so that I could get off first without her, which is awful, isn't it? It's absolutely awful. And I looked back to make sure that she was up and running, and he just leant back into the greenery, and he just disappeared into the shadow, that was it. He, he was gone. He didn't try and come after us, he didn't try and hurt us or anything. And in all honesty, now I think about the expression on his face, he looked more confused than I was. Like, as if I was in the wrong place at the wrong time and he did not expect us to be there. And it was like a shared shock. And I know people say that they would love to see one and they would do anything to see one. It ruined my life for a very, very long time. For at least a couple of decades, I was off the rails. I couldn't go to the woods. I couldn't take the kids to the woods. I couldn't... I just didn't want to know. I stayed in town and I stayed in and I stayed out uh, away from him. I just... I didn't want anything to do with it. And my parents, wonderful parents that they were, said, Oh, it's our Deb. Bit of drama. She's clearly seen an homeless man or something like that. But I think my mum knew deep down that it was more than that for me because I I had to go to that school still, so I had to pass where I'd seen him on a daily basis and I never walked that way again. I always walked the long way around. And I, was a, I wasn't a popular kid, but I, I had friends and then I went from having friends and going out all the time and always being there to, no, I, no, thank you, I don't want to come out, I'm fine as I am. And I kind of shut myself off like that for a very, very long time. And every time I shared it, I was ridiculed. 
And every time I tried to tell somebody, I was then seen as the girl that sees monsters. And I just accepted that fact and I lived with that fear for, for the longest time. Um, until, in all honesty, until I was in my 30s. And it was only on meeting my husband and he said that I could carry on the way I was going or I could do some research and, you know, find out what I'd seen and if anyone else had seen him as well. So I then admitted to my husband that I had done that for a number of years and I'd visited libraries and I'd looked for other witnesses and I had found one or two accounts at the time, I think I only had three accounts at the time, um, that were in the cryptozoology world and it was all new to me back then. I mean, I was like 15, I went to the library, I asked the lady at the library for a, a book on the British caveman because I thought that maybe was what he was and she gave me the book Stig of the Dump which, you know, obviously was no use to me whatsoever but I did try and, and use my mind to find out who he was and where he'd come from. That's always been my biggest questions is why why would he be in that park and how would he have got to that park i mean it's these roads you know how and then it was only by researching that i realized that a lot of the tunnels and the old mine tunnels that are underneath the park the sluices as we call them actually open out onto drinkwater park which is a, a nature reserve it's part of the Irwell valley nature reserve and as i know now 35 years on the Irwell valley route is a very, very important route to them, it seems, because there are accounts and sightings all along the world. Leftovers. Or... The DMV. Number 97. Or... House cleaning. Or... Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. Chumba. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Vale. So, I've moved. I've grown up. I've moved on. And I decide that, yeah, I'm going to go out and I'm going to see what I can find. And I find the same as everybody else. I find the X's and I find the breaks and I find the glyphs. So that starts to give me a bit of validation and I'm finding witnesses and I'm mapping these witnesses and I'm talking to them and I'm understanding everything that they're saying. And with most of the witnesses, I, is I found that we connect on a level because we have a common understanding. Um, and I was able to say that I did understand what it was like to not be heard and not be believed and to know that you've seen this thing I didn't know if my parents had, A, lied to me, which is really bad when you're a kid, or B, even worse, didn't have a clue. So my entire world was turned upside down because monsters aren't real and they aren't out there, are they? And, and that's what we teach our children. And I did think about him like that for a very long time. And I think that's why I'm talking about it today, actually, because some things have been coming up um, and I find that I'm being asked to talk about it more and more. And I think people think that I still see him as a monster, and I don't, I don't at all. He is my brother or my cousin. Misunderstood. Not known about. Um, and it becomes very easy as a human being to 
put something as a monster because you can't explain it. And we usually do one or two things, don't we? We either stick our head in the sand like an ostrich and ignore the fact that it happened, or we grab our torches and we light them and we chase the monster into the woods. But I found people more and more and more. The more I looked, the more I found. And it was wonderful that I could give them validation. But I never really got any validation myself until I met Thomas Markham of the Crypto Crew. Um, and we were chatting, and he's a wonderful man. He's an American man. He, he runs a, a site for people like myself who want to report something that they've seen but don't have anywhere to report it to. And he ran my story uh, in his blog, on his article. And it was only a couple of months later that he got in touch with me and he said that somebody else had come forward from the area and spoken to him. So you could understand what that felt like to me. It was like, oh, this is unbelievable. If she was just in Salford and she saw something like I saw, it could have been the same creature. So I asked him where she saw it and he said, Buell Hill. And I asked him whereabouts in Buell Hill and he said, next to the big house where the sensory garden is. So I asked, what year? And he said, 1984, which is only two years after me, which was unbelievable. And that she described something very similar to me. Um, I'm just scanning this so I can see. She says, it had a piggy type of nose and large eyes, and it was full of brown hair, and it had a human face, but it also looked like a chimp. It's really hard to describe this thing. Um, and she starts by saying, I was walking my dog there and it was freezing cold and I was having a cigarette. It was dark at the time of year at 5pm and I thought I was alone in the park as it's usually shut then. But this particular night it was open and I don't think the lady understands that the park never shuts. There are actual entrances into the park that you can't see, that you can get in and out of where there's no gates. Um, I was smoking when a movement to my left caught my eye, exactly the same as me. There was a nearby light and I saw this tall thing there and it looked about six foot tall and it was quite podgy. I had a bit of a, it had a bit of a belly on it and what got me right away was that it had bare feet. In fact, it was bare everywhere and I could even see male genitalia. I became so worried and I thought it might attack me and it just stood there staring at me for about 20 seconds and then it turned very quickly and ran off into the trees. Now what I saw was about seven feet tall, I would think, but I was lying on the ground. So I'm going from an estimation of me lying down looking up at the figure, at the face, and I didn't see his body. I only saw from his mid-chest up. Um, I don't remember a neck and his face. I don't remember ears because his hair covered his ears. But he didn't have any ears on the top like, like a wolf or anything like that. It was nothing like that. He looked like a man, but completely covered in hair. But his jaw muscles were much more pronounced than ours. Um, he was everything that we are, but much, much larger and completely covered in hair. Which, But not his face. He didn't have hair on his face, only on his chin like a man would. Um, and his skin was very dark and leathery. And like I say, his eyes were a kind of amberish colour now. Um, I know. I noticed Brenda said the eyes on hers were black. Um, and I wouldn't say that mine had a piggish nose. I didn't understand what she meant by that. 
But it was afterwards, through talking to Thomas and talking to Brenda, that she meant that it was kind of upturned in a way. Um, the one that I saw had a, like a human nose, but like a, when a boxer has a nose and it's flattened, it looked like that. And I, I, saw, I saw his teeth, but not because he was growling or anything, just because of the, exp the expression on his face. He was just kind of slack-jawed. So I remember his teeth, and they, they were square like ours. It wasn't any canines or anything like that. He didn't... It wasn't because of that that I called him a monster. But that was fantastic for me, the fact that somebody else had come forward from exactly the same area, an impossible area, where you just wouldn't think that anybody could have a sighting. And I did, on a couple of occasions, try and get in touch with a few of the UK Bigfoot groups, and they just didn't want to know. They just laughed me out of the room as if, you know, I was a complete and utter nutcase. And I'm not, I'm just a normal lady who, who lives in the north of England. I'm, I'm a mum and I'm a grandmum and I worked all my life and I was a cook. Um, and that's it, there's nothing special about me. I'm not a medium or anything like that. I'm not sensitive in any way. I just was a young girl who had a very scary experience and wanted to find anybody else that, you know, had had a similar occurrence. And something really, really strange happened this time last year. Um, a lady called uh, Gemma got in touch with me. I'm sorry, it's Jade, I'm just reading it now. A lady called Jade got in touch with me. And just off the park, as I said before, there's a second park, and then there's this strange wooded area called the Dell. And when you're a kid, nobody you don't cross it, you don't walk your dog on there, you don't do anything on the Dell. It's just this really creepy, dark place. And the grass is never cut, so it grows, like, really high. I'm only five foot two. So it's like up to my chin, and um, it's just left like that. It's always been like that. It's always been there. I don't even know if anybody owns that land. It's just weed covered, and grassy, and built in with trees. But it is on the loop line, and when I say the loop line, we have a lot of them in Britain. There's special areas like wildlife corridors, um, and they're they're taken care of by the Wildlife Trust. So it's very close to that loop line and it's very close to the Ellesmere Golf. There's two golf clubs um, and the, the area that I have my sights in. There's the Swinton one and the Ellesmere one. These basically just the road runs in between the two of them. Um, so it's a lot of green area, a lot of uh, places that you could be seen, that he, he could go and not be seen. Sorry, I'm waffling now. But um, Jade told me that her husband and his, and his friend, and it was Boxing Day last year, 2016, They'd got their new golf clubs, as you do, um, and they decided, you know, the day after they'd all nip down to the golf course and they'd have a turn. And that's basically what they were doing. And she said, I came across your blog while looking for the Finding Bigfoot website or somewhere I could report this to. And though you would want to, I thought you would want to hear about the strange beast my husband saw last month. He was golfing at Ellesmere Golf Course in Worsley. While doing the round, he was on the side of the course where the trees separate and something was walking along the edge of the tree line. They thought it was another golfer, but after about ten minutes, they became aware that this thing was walking with them and they got the impression that it was stalking them. They looked closer and saw that it was very tall, about seven feet, it was hairy all over the body and human-shaped and they said it had a barrelled chest and was very large with an odd-shaped head. It looked like a human, but wider, and with hair covering it. 
The way it leaned forward, they felt that it was either very old or in some sort of pain or ha had an affliction. I think she means it was bent over or crouched over. As they looked at it, they heard it making a muttering sound, like something chattering. My husband stepped forward and it took a step back. When it did the muttering, the muttering stopped. My husband's friend went to walk towards it, at which point it clapped its hands very loudly and started making grunting sounds and ran off into the trees. Well, that's what? We've got three accounts of a tall, barrel-chested, hairy, human-ape-type-looking creature in Salford, in Manchester, over a 30-year period. So something's being seen. Something's wandering around and, you know, being seen and reported. Um, and I will probably regret this, but if you're from Salford and you would like to chat to me about it, not if you want to ridicule me as the girl that runs with monsters, um, I think I've had enough of that, to be honest. But if you're serious and you would like to get interested, I can show you on the map. Leftovers. Or... The DMV. Number 97. Or... House cleaning. Or... Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.